Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra. I can't believe it's already the end of April. But honestly, I actually, at the same time, can't believe we're only through April. This year is going by a lot slower for a lot of reasons, but especially without softball games right now. So I hope everybody is staying safe, staying healthy, and staying sane. And I want to dive right in and walk through the order today. So first, to cover our bases, I'm going to share a few updates in the softball world. Then we'll head straight into our interview with today's guest, Monica Abbott, one of the faces of USA Softball, and really softball in general, past and present. Her presence is unmistakable on the mound, and she's looking to keep that going in Tokyo. So I'm super excited, and it'll be really great, especially for all you moniacs out there. And yes, that is a thing. And then we'll round it out with the double play tip of the week, the tip that helps us get better physically and mentally. So let's do it. Covering our bases, there are several things really that are going on across the board that I kind of want to touch on. So one, in the NCAA world, Jamie Traxel is leaving Minnesota to go to Ole Miss. So the news broke late last week that the Minnesota native, the head coach, who took her team to the Women's College World Series last year, by the way, for the first time ever in Gopher history, was leaving. And it's been reported that she'll be making $245,000 a year compared to 140 at Minnesota, which, you know, for big sports like football may seem somewhat like peanuts, but it's significant for softball and for women's sports that are growing. And really from everything I read, it seems like it was just the right fit at the right time. Uh, Ole Miss Athletics says that they have a plan for their department that includes a lot of support for the softball program. So that doesn't hurt either if you're an incoming coach. People are talking a lot about all the players in the transfer portal right now because activity is obviously through the roof. But to me, it's not just about the eligibility piece, but there's also coaching contract things to consider and opportunities that are shifting. And I think this is an example of that movement as well. But on a lighter note, there was a viral couple video this past week, and it's really the content that we all need right now. Riley Sarton. Texas A&M softball alum, and she's also a pro player for the Scrapyard Fast Pitch Team. Her and her husband, MLB prospect Noah Vaughn. Basically, the first video that came out is that she's pitching to him underhand in their driveway, and he just launches one over their house. Bat flips on her, goes nuts. But the second video that came out is that he's pitching to her overhand, and she just takes him deep. It's just major payback. The bat flip of all bat flips, she chucks it. It's almost like a chess pass. It was amazing, and it was just the best redemption ever. And to be honest, that's really it. That, that's the update. I just really loved seeing it. And, of course, you know, there's going to be the standard trolls with the sexist comments, but at the end of the day, it was just fun. It was fun content for quarantine right now. But you know what else is fun is Lauren Chamberlain actually has a new show with the MLB. So speaking of baseball-softball collaborations – It's called Stacked, and it just debuted on YouTube. There's a couple things in particular that I like about it. So in an interview about it, she actually 
openly talked about how hard her transition was after retiring from softball last year. And really that whole transition, that could be its own episode. I went through it after college and I can't imagine with how long she kept playing and the fact that it was the professional level, et cetera, how that is, it's difficult. And she admitted that she was depressed, that therapy helped her. And I think being honest and authentic like that is just invaluable. And you can't forget, you know, she's the reigning NCAA home run champion out of Oklahoma. She did the ESPN body issue, you know, so many accomplishments and such a big face for softball. And it's still hard to get through that and move on to the next phase. And with May being Mental Health Awareness Month, I think this is a great note to go into it for the softball community. The other thing is that the MLB in general has been getting more involved with players on a different level as of late. So with the Stand Beside Her tour supporting USA Softball as the team prepares for the Tokyo Olympics, it's obviously on hold right now, but that was a great example. And I love seeing that baseball and softball, that partnership manifests itself in other ways like this, because we can't accomplish more together. But speaking of pro ball, there's also a new league in town with Athletes Unlimited. This is some of the biggest news actually that came out this week. I've talked a lot about MPF. We've talked about the Scrapyard Dogs, the Japan Pro League with a lot of our guests. We'll actually touch on it a bit with Monica today too, but I've only briefly mentioned this new pro league that's set to launch this summer. So long story short, the softball league itself was actually announced in early March. That's when our community first started talking about it. But more concrete details are now emerging. There was a Sports Illustrated article that came out this week about Athletes Unlimited in general, and it's the organization behind it all. So they're actually launching a women's indoor volleyball league that's going to start in February. And that's what the headline was about. On the board of Athletes Unlimited are Jessica Mendoza, obviously, Olympic softball star, shout out to Stanford and the 805, have to do it, as well as Abby Wambach from U.S. Women's Soccer and Kevin Durant from the NBA. So a lot of big names that are supporting this new venture. And the goal is really to push forward women's sports. So Athletes Unlimited is launching multiple leagues. The first one is just starting with softball. And they're going to put a different spin on the game. The gist really is that it will be more focused on individual players and performance and points-based. And it's going to mix up the traditional sort of fixed team format that we're used to. And over these last few weeks, I've been seeing more and more athletes are getting on board. Even former guests on this show, like Danielle O'Toole, she announced this week she's on board with Athletes Unlimited. So my gut reaction with all of this is that I always love seeing more interest and more investment in women's sports. And obviously, especially at the professional level, because we need it. And for softball to be the pioneer, I think is amazing. Now, with that said, there's a lot of moving parts and ripple effects that are in place for this kind of venture. It's complicated. So I'm planning to dive deeper into this next week with a special crossover guest that lends some unique insight into building something like this. So stay tuned for that. But you know what? Somebody who has essentially competed on every major professional softball stage is none other than Monica Abbott. So let's hear what she had to say when we caught up. Current USA pitcher, 2008 Olympic silver medalist, 17-time champion on the professional and international stage, 
2007 Women's Sports Foundation Sportswoman of the Year, Tennessee Hall of Famer, four-time All-American, multi-NCAA record holder, Monica Abbott. (laughs) (laughs) What an intro, man. (laughs) I mean, I could have kept going, right? But then the entire podcast would just be about everything you've done, so. (laughs) I I think that just, like, basically it just shows that I've been playing softball a really long time (laughs) but thanks for having me and glad to be here and part of the show of course I mean I'm so excited to dig into everything and of course USA softball Um, we actually just had Kehlani on the show recently which was really fun she obviously talked a lot about you guys all her teammates she actually said that she listed you as a hero on her MySpace page (laughs) back in the day. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I like absolutely love Kehlani. Um, we get along really, really well. And she's actually my workout partner on the team. So like in the weight room, she's my workout buddy, which is crazy because she is so strong and she is like, <laughs> she doesn't, she's the type of athlete. Like she doesn't know how strong she actually is. But Kalani and I have a lot of like similar backgrounds. She actually played travel ball with my younger sister for the San Jose Sting, and her name was Fina, eventually at Towson. But Kehlani and I, very small story and fun fact, we had the same pitching coach growing up. Yes. Wow, clearly a good one. Yeah, he did a great job. His name was Kenny Gardner. He was just kind of the local guy in, in my area, and he kind of helped me develop as a young pitcher and got me, obviously, off to college where things changed but then I think Kalani knew that I was like we're both left-handed and um, her older sister Sam is my age who's at Mississippi State now who's the coach there and they knew about me so a small little softball world how the softball world works and they're like well Monica's left-handed let's try her coach and Kalani obviously went to him and eventually ended up at OU so kind of like some small ties but just such a good heart and teammate and incredible athlete so well I I would definitely say based on everything she said that the feeling could not be more mutual there's a lot of teammate love between you guys yeah and I love the Bay Area representation too and I know you said you're in the Bay Area right now so what what Mm -hmm. all are you up to during this time man uh, what can you be up to in this time (laughs) I mean I think I've been up to everything you can be up to um Obviously, I'm doing my home workouts, so that's kind of one of the highlights of my day, you know, lifestyle, kind of as an athlete. So doing my home workouts, obviously, I've been cleaning. I did my quarantine cleaning, cleaned some stuff that probably should have been done years ago, <laughs> you know, like under the sink or that back closet kind of stuff. Now's um, the time. <laughs> now's the time, right? Now you have a time to do it. Um, so I did that, working out. When the weather is good, I've been trying to get as much sunlight as possible. And honestly, still been kind of just throwing a couple days a week, really lightly, just to kind of have the chance to do softball and athletic stuff. If I can get someone in my house, like uh, my boyfriend, fiance, Jeff, to catch for me and go to the field. And that's been fun, um, just to kind of mix it up and, you know, get out of the house a little bit so we don't go stir crazy. For sure. I feel like that's the thing too, is with softball, we're all used to being outside. Mm-hmm. So, cause I feel like other sports, they're indoor sports. You're kind of used to being inside at least and doing like the indoor workout thing for right. us. It's like, gosh, we're just itching to be out there. 
you know? Yeah, definitely. Like that vitamin B12, the sunlight, like, I'm just like, the sun's out. I got to get outside. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm used to like working out with other people. So it's a little bit weird not having anyone with me, not having a coach with me. But obviously I have a workout program and things like that, but it's just a different feel as far as what we're doing, even trying to like do like zoom calls with all the teams and just keep everyone in softballs in kind of the same boat. So trying to help do calls with the team and I put together like a workout class for some of the kids that they've joined and it's like softball inspired. So just kind of little fun things to kind of keep it fresh and exciting, but definitely trying not to go quarantine crazy. <laughs> that that really sums this up, I think, for all of us. Yeah. Gosh. And I know for Team USA too, I've heard that you guys do team Zoom calls. And, and obviously, as you said, everybody's trying to put the work in as much as they can. But I feel like with you, there, there's another layer to it also. You know, you're a mm-hmm. veteran of the team, you're a leader. So what's your approach in leading this group kind of in general, but also during this weird time? Well, I think the USA team, I mean, they're so, they're all very motivated and driven people. Like to be on the team, you have to be that way. And I think besides having the overall program of what, what our schedule looks like and things to do, um, they all have, you know, individual things that work well for them and they know that, and that's what makes them so great. But, um, you know, as a veteran on the team, I think just leading by action is super important. And then using your voice in certain times, um, we are doing, you know, staying in touch as much as we can and doing workouts together. Ali Carta is leading like a boxing workout with people. And, um, we do zoom calls once a week and just to stay connected and try to like, think about what we want team USA softball to look like in the fall, hopefully, like when we can get back together how do we want to come together as a team in the fall or in the winter or this time next year? What do we want to be prepared for? What do we want? Um, what steps do we want to take to be ahead of where we are right now? Makes sense. And I feel like in terms of the veteran piece, like we've been saying, you're sort of this power duo with Kat Osterman as well. Like you're both the mm-hmm. lefty pitchers or both the veterans who've been there. What's your relationship like with her? It's good. We have been, Kat and I, you know, obviously we played in 2008 and then together, actually from 05 to 2010, we were on the national team together. And then we kind of, we kind of became rivals in the pro league for a while. And then she retired and she was retired for, I don't know, three years, five years. I don't know. Call kind of blurs together. Um, and now she's come out of retirement to go back for the 2020 games, which I had one of the first phone calls with her. And I was just like, you know, I'm excited. Like we, we needed her and being able to have that balance of like my power and her spin is really huge because although we're both tall and we're both left-handed and we both have, you know, brown hair and we kind of look alike, you know, we have these similar features. We are completely different pitchers and completely different people. So um, in that aspect, it gives us a chance to really complement each other. And we have a chance to change that story and show people that like, although we look alike and although we have similarities, how incredible are we in the way that we can um, work together and complement each other? 
I think that's a great way to think of it because to be honest, when I called you a power duo, I was thinking more about how you complement each other more Mm -hmm. so than how you're the same, because obviously you need variety on a team to be successful. So I, I love that. That's how you guys think about it. Yeah. And like our experiences, we have some really good shared experiences. We have some really good individual experiences on what it's taken at the highest level to perform on how to deal with the leadership within our organization, on how to move the, the sport forward, how to have an impact, um, not only at the professional level, but also at the youth level and that will withstand um, the sport. So long after you know we're done playing. So it's really been fun to be able to bounce those things off of her and figure out what plays we wanna put more effort and focus on. You actually had with USA, you never stopped playing, but you had an eight year, I believe, hiatus with yeah. the team, the national team. What is similar now with USA and what's different? Obviously it's a it's mostly a new group, but generally speaking, what do you see? Yeah, in 2010, after World Championships in 2010, I decided to spend more time in the professional league. I was also playing overseas. Um, so I took a hiatus and left Team USA for a while. And I came back after actually Coach Erickson. We had quite a few calls over the two previous years. And he's just like, you know, we would really love you to come back. When are you coming back? Some of the players started to reach out and they're like, we know you're still playing. Like, come back to Team USA. Like, you know, this is where you belong. This is your home. Yeah. And so I joined the team. Yeah. And I was like, man, you're right. You are right. Like, <laughs> this is my home. Like, I'm getting later in my career. Like, I, I need to return. So it was just a matter of time for me. And um, obviously, Coach Erickson and Coach Tar, all of them, and then Val and some of the other player, older players that had reached out to me. I was just like, okay, you know, I think the timing is right now. Um, I, I can make an impact with them again. And I can also lend some of that leadership, lend some of that experience to the girls um, on the team. And it just felt right. And so I came back in 2018 uh, for the world championships there and have been with the team since. It was a good transition. And overall, I just, I think the biggest change in USA softball and in international softball is just how much better the world is at the game. I think a lot of influential people, people taking initiative to either go teach overseas, to play overseas, to technology, just more media, more access, accessibility to good information on the internet as well as just made so many countries that much better, whether it's via YouTube, whether it's an app, whether it's Instagram, you know, whatever it is, people are getting more information and it's making the athletes better. So overall, it makes the game that much more exciting. So that I really love about it and um, the growth of our sport over the last, you know, let's say 10 years, five years even. And you guys are, especially you veterans, are so focused on the growth of the game, which I love. And like you said, though, that does raise kind of everybody's level around the world. So what is kind of the difference that you've seen with your competition? You know, there's Japan, which 12 years ago was tough. You were there for the Mm -hmm. silver medal. Like, what Mm -hmm. was that experience like? And how have you kind of processed it since then? Yeah, you know, in 2008, we lost the gold medal game. We, We got silver medal 
and you know it was really kind of it, it was like bittersweet also like we were upset but it's also like the game of softball any given day right like any given day if you're not ready like anything can happen um any pitch on any pitch and I think in 2008 it showed the growth of how far other countries had come and now I think this year the 2021 games um, the international game just better like I said better accessibility to knowledge information um the growth of the sport but you're seeing just better overall stuff so team canada has tons of funding so that's really an advantage for them um italy has a nice professional league over there so that's an advantage for them mexico's come out of the you know created a team in the last five years and now they have a lot of americans on their mexican americans on their team um that's helped them qualify and Australia obviously has been um, pretty stable over the last couple of years, especially with the support of their men's program. So just, I think there's a lot of growth in the game, but it's, it's growth in competition. And that's, that's good, right? Because it creates a better product and hopefully more companies, more people get excited about it, more fans, all of that come, come about because of it. Yeah. And now that you're going for gold, obviously, in Tokyo, how do you think about it? Is it redemption? Is it revenge? Is it a comeback? Or is it just a totally new journey? Um, I think of it a little bit as a totally new journey. There is like a little bit of, obviously, I was in the 2008 game. So there is a little bit of that in the back of my mind every now and then when I'm training and things like that. But I also think about world championships and you know playing Australia in the semifinals and playing Mexico at the U.S. Cup or Canada in the Pan Am games last year you know some games that we we struggled with and mostly I just kind of think about what can the U.S. team do to make sure that we're at our best as so that we're at our best individually as athletes but also as a group as a core group um, are we all on the same page and a smooth unit moving forward. So that's kind of more how I think about it. There is like little moments where certain situations pop up, like this person got a good hit off me. Like, how am I going to, you know, get her next time, you know, things like that. But, um, or, Ooh, I got a real, I, I got a striking out, but you know, I got to strike her out again. Like, how am I going to do it? You know, stuff like that. So <laughs> I think that's a healthy way to look at it though. I mean, to have like a little bit of that extra fire, you know, in there, but to be really living more in the present and where you go from here, that sounds like that's the way that you guys are going to be successful having that mindset. Oh yeah, absolutely. I just, I think it's super hard, especially right now with the state of the world, we just need to stay focused on what's happening right here and right now. And on even the smallest little things, it sounds so simple, but just at this point, like staying healthy, you know, for everyone, um, you know, making sure we're doing those little things, because if we're staying healthy and living that way, like it is going to contribute to our long-term success. Yes. If you had three words to describe the team right now, you know, what, what are they? What should we know about USA softball today? I would say... They are dedicated, they are smart, and they are 
great ambassadors of the game, people and athletes. Yeah. I love it. Well-rounded. They should be, you know, we all should be. I should be. I mean, we're wearing USA across our chest. I, I sure as hope, I sure as heck hope, like we're all, you know, dedicated, smart ambassadors <laughs> of the game. We should be. I mean, come on. We're not representing ourselves anymore. Of course. Of course you should be. Yeah. But it's one thing to to think about it and talk about it. And, and it's another thing to be it. So mm-hmm. it's good to hear, though, that sure. from your perspective, you guys are living that out authentically. Yes, definitely. And obviously, you just said it, the important part is to stay healthy with the pandemic going on right now, but honestly, in general, too. And mm-hmm. like you said, you'd been playing in the Japan Pro League for over 10 years. You played in the MPF. You never stopped playing, even when you took a break from USA. What do you feel like has allowed you to have that kind of longevity? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I think a couple things have allowed me to have the longevity one, like physically just understanding what it took to like stay in physical shape, like doing those little things on a consistent basis. I think were really important things like for your shoulder, for your hips, your ankles, you know, all your joints staying in somewhat of good shape on a consistent basis was really important just to be able to maintain, you know, a 13 year professional career. So that's the one thing. The second thing I think is I've been really blessed to have people supporting me and companies supporting me. And that's allowed me to create another strength to be a professional athlete, right? Uh, Everyone knows softball isn't having like, you know, the NFL draft was on the WNBA draft, like no one's signing like crazy contracts. So you have to find other ways. So like right now, partnered with Nike and I'm with Wilson so those kind of key partnerships have allowed me to create other events for people whether it's a tournament whether it's a clinic whether it's like an online workout class um, kind of staying involved in the softball community but also um, create another way of life for me within this sport so I think that's been really huge and and I couldn't I don't think I could have done it without the support of some of the key sponsors over the course of my career um although Nike and Wilson are my main ones right now um and then I just think the third thing that's kind of helped me with my longevity in my career I just think is probably the growth in just the softball community because when I tell you what like when I go in front of like an event or when I am at a softball, like the World Series, and I see people, or I'm putting on a, a clinic or a tournament, and I see these fans and their reaction to a speech I give, or just recognizing me in the airport and how excited they are, like that fills my cup. Like that fills my cup, motivates me to continue going another day because I know that I'm having an impact. Future generations, whether they play softball or not, you know, whether they, play softball, whether it's high school basketball, whether they just go on and work in sports or, you know, become a future Fortune 500 CEO. Um, but be it, to be able to have those faces light up and from their ki- the kids to the parents and have that impact really just fills my heart and really makes me know that I'm doing what God made me to do, you know? So I think those are the things, reasons why I'm still playing this game. So many layers to the support that you have to Mm -hmm. be able to do what you do. 
And you mentioned the the NFL draft because who's not talking about it, especially with the lack of sports going on right now. Right. You know, you talked about the contracts. It is weird to talk about money, but at the same time, it's also sort of necessary to have that conversation in female sports. You're kind of famous for having that million dollar contract with the MPF. And it was the first ever million dollar deal for a woman playing on a team sport in the U.S. overall. So beyond Mm -hmm. softball. And it's a big deal, you know, because it was history. But why else do you think it's so important? Well, why else do I think it's so important? Because at the time, you know, they were talking a lot about the gender gap. And this is probably going outside of the softball world, but things like the pink tax, you know, same razor at the grocery store, you know, the men's one is $1.50, the women's is $2.25. Why? Just because it's pink you know, talking about the pink tax and all of these things. But after that contract was signed and the publicity that it received, you know, all of a sudden, you know, now you see Hulu supporting women's soccer, you see Secrets supporting women's soccer, you know, the Oregon basketball player. I'm going to mess up her last name. I can't even pronounce it. Oh, uh, Yonescu. Yeah, Yonescu. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, like, look about how much publicity she has now. Um, Just the women's soccer team fighting for equal, equal pay, equal prize money from the men's soccer team, all those sort of things. Like, was the contract I signed a direct result of it? Probably not. But did it probably open some doors, some conversations, some thought processes? Did it create the conversations that needed to be had to get to these other people to that? Well, I don't know, but I, I like to think that there's a high chance that happened because it is time. It's time for, you know, the media to see us and continue to grow because we do have a valuable product that we put out in the female sports world. To me, yes, maybe it was only one contract out of the many that we all hope grow and keep moving in a right direction for women's sports. But I think every piece of the puzzle in growing that and allowing people to make a living is important. So I would say 100%, I think that your contract helped the landscape for everybody. Yeah. You know, we're not there yet. We're not finished. You know, the women's sports world, we're not finished with all of those things. But I think it was a good start. And it opened a lot of doors, not only for softball, but for the rest of the women's sports landscape and you know it's hard to be the first one it's hard to make the first move and hold people accountable and like fight your NGV for equal pay you know things like that what women's soccer is doing all of those things it's hard but it's necessary and I think that it's really cool that just the whole landscape of sports right now is changing because of those things do you guys ever interact with the women's soccer team and other national teams Yes, yes, we do. Um, Not as much as probably you you would think. At the Pan Am Games, we talked a lot to some of the other athletes. In the previous years, um, in the 08 quad and everything, we talked a lot with the women's soccer team at that time because we were going through some similar issues that we were trying to work on that they had been through as well. So That makes sense. I love, are you holding a softball right now? Uh, Did I just see that? It's on my desk. I love it. It sits on my desk, so I just (laughs) end up playing with it. The game never sleeps. I love it. I love it so much. (laughs) So then 
your contract was with the NPF at the time, right? And now yeah, I feel like there are the scrapyard. Yes, with the scrapyard dogs. And now there are so many different pieces to pro softball. I feel like there's the NPF, then there's the scrapyard dogs, and you triple SA pride in the States. Yeah. They used to be with the NPF, but they're working together now sort of separately. Then there's the Japan Pro League. And now Athletes Unlimited is taking an interesting kind of new spin on it. So with all of that being said, when you look at the landscape of pro softball, like what's your perspective? What do you think about it? Oh, I think Japan has done the best job with it. I think they have the best league, um, Japan Softball League. It's corporate backed. Um, like I play for Toyota Motor yeah. Corporation, but you know, other companies are in the league too. Companies like Hitachi, Honda, you know, big camera. I don't know if you guys would know them, but just it's corporate backed. So that makes a huge difference for the league. And the league's been around for quite some time. Um, I think right now the pro league in the United States is a little bit too divided. We need to unify unify and come under one model I think yeah it's been tough I think it goes back to money you know if they yeah. had corporate backing they could pay players more and they could compete full-time but they're trying to squeeze a season in you know over the summer and allow women to still coach college softball right so they're doing the best they can in the scrapyard and the u-trip going independent um to try to create another avenue has been big, but I just hope that everyone can be successful or that we can unify and have a greater impact as one, but um, that's tough. So America's a lot bigger of a country than Japan is. Yeah, I'd love to see that translation from the college softball fandom. I think with unification, it'll make it easier to follow. Too, yeah, just for fans to be able to be like, okay, I know that this is what I can expect from professional softball in the U.S. And then yeah. that's how you build. I want to rewind a little bit from before your pro days. I feel like the Uh-oh. first time we really saw that kind of classic get low stance on the mound that you have first got our attention in a really big way when you're at Tennessee. I can't uh-huh. not ask you about that. So how do you look back on your days there? You know, I look back at Tennessee really grateful because I feel like at the time it was a really big commitment to go across the country. And I don't think I actually realized the impact it would have on the SEC and the impact it would have on the softball community. But I think going to Tennessee really shaped me as an athlete and it changed the way I thought about the game and it forced me to get better (laughs) in like a weird way. Um, But I feel like I had so much growth there, and I don't think I would have had that at a lot of other schools. So I really developed as an athlete there and then also as a person. So I'm super grateful for my time at Tennessee, and obviously everyone loves their colleges, so go Vols! (laughs) (laughs) I have to give you a chance for the shout-out. Come on, of course. Yeah, thank you, thank you. You're also right. Like it was a a big move for you just geographically for any college kid who's going to live on their own for the first time. And it was really a Pac-12 heavy time period when you decided to make that change. So what what brought you there? What made that decision for you? Um, Well, I got recruited by a lot of, at the time it was the Pac-10. Yeah. Yeah. I got recruited by them and some other schools in the SEC. And I just, 
I felt like Tennessee, there was something different about them that I felt like I could go there and have an impact. I felt like I could go there and, you know, yeah, just have an impact on the school, on the sport. And it felt like home, like it felt right. Like I knew that's hard to say, but it, I really feel like it felt like it was a place that I could go and be successful. And we felt that from the beginning. Um, So I think ultimately that's why I ended up choosing Tennessee. I mean, when you know, you know, yeah, I think there is like, yeah, it's that warm, fuzzy feeling. You're like, okay, this, this feels right. Yeah. This is, (laughs) I could be good here. Like this, this fits, you know? Yeah. So I had that feeling. Yeah. And you were the first ever All-American out of Tennessee, and now you're in the Hall of Fame. Yes. So with, with that being said, I mean, how much orange do you own at this point? <laughs> I, before this video, I actually was working out and I had my orange shirt on. So I was like, I better like change my shirt because it's going to be like too bright. <laughs> it was also sweaty. That's mostly why I changed it because it was sweaty, but um right before this I did have like my orange like on and I was like getting my morning workout in (laughs) so I do own quite a bit of orange well that just means you're repping it all the time so that's right you know (laughs) I know you guys missed your stand beside her tour stop with the lady balls which is a bummer but how involved are you still with the community I still like stay in touch with a lot of my teammates and people that played after me because we have a pretty uh, good alumni group um but as far as like a day-to-day aspect with the team I, I'm not quite as involved I still kind of mentor some of their pitchers every year like having phone calls and things with them but um you know I'm still playing right so I don't have as much of an impact with the school these days but I'm still involved as much as I can given my uh, professional schedule you're a busy woman yes <laughs> And you mentioned it earlier that the SEC also has really grown a lot um, in the Mm -hmm. softball world, especially in the last 10 years with the national titles that have come since then and all of that. What do you Mm -hmm. think the SEC brings to the softball world? Like, why is it special? I think the SEC brings pride, excitement in the game, fan base, all of it. I mean, you go to the SEC let's just say it like there's better stadiums there's better backing fan support all of it you know until it became the sec started to grow did the pac-12 really start to change their stadiums you know how long did like arizona has a beautiful stadium right now it's absolutely gorgeous but why did it take them so long to get it seriously like why (laughs) why did it take so long but literally that is a difference like the SEC I think with the football and this the smaller communities and just fan centric I mean they really make it based on the fans and people are consistently show up time and time again to those games so I think that's a big big piece of um, the SEC and what's made it so successful and then obviously talent talent wise um, they've been able to draw you know some really good athletes out there because of it. I actually, I get that because to be honest, I went, we went to Alabama for super regionals my junior year. And even though obviously people in the stands, everyone was pretty much rooting against us. Um, mm-hmm. It was still just such a cool atmosphere to be in. Like it was really yeah. cool to be in Tuscaloosa, especially postseason already has that special kind of yeah. uh, aura to it anyway. But 
it really was really cool. And that's the one thing that I, I look forward to even watching on TV, seeing all these locations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's what it's like in the SEC, like every weekend, every game. I mean, the only time it's not really like that, I would say it's maybe like a midweek game on a Tuesday night, but every, every weekend it's like that. Double it if it's a rivalry week. So you got to love them. The, the fans, they, they really do create the atmosphere and help make it. And I think it's been cool to see um, that transfer over across the board from all the way across the country from like Texas yes. to ULL to, you know, Oklahoma to Northwestern to Oregon having a new stadium and, you know, Arizona getting a better stadium. Like seeing that transfer, it just shows the support and love, I think, in the softball community. And it's really overall um, holding a lot of pride in our sport and in the athletes that have played there. So I think that part is really awesome. Yeah. ULL too. We went there my senior year and they were tailgating for the games. It was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. So I, I wanted to ask you, because I know that you do a lot off the field too. You have your Monica Abbott scholarship Mm -hmm. fund. You do motivational speaking in clinics. Can you tell me more about all that you do when you're not competing? When I am not competing in a league or professionally, um, I kind of have a couple passion projects and everything for me is, you know, softball based. So to me, softball is a lifestyle and what I do represents that. So I put on a lot of motivational speeches for, I speak at a lot of like fundraising dinners, seminars at events as well, like pitching events or what people ask for. And then I do have the Monica Abbott scholarship, which rewards a multi-sport female athlete it goes out to two people every year and I fundraise for that and outside of those things I just kind of do normal life stuff enjoy some downtime when I'm not playing it sounds like that might be what you want to do when you retire focus on all of that yeah I think eventually I'll probably try to cross over into more of the speaking and event based stuff um we'll see I'm not gonna like close the door maybe something cool will happen and I'm sure softball will always be a part of my life as as long as I'm around. Of course. And we, as a community, will want to have you as long as we can. So I will (laughs) say that. (laughs) Well, thanks. (laughs) Thanks so much, Monica. This has been great. I've loved having you. Thank you for taking the time. And honestly, best of luck with everything too, with USA and beyond. Yes. Thank you so much. And take care. Stay healthy. Thanks for all you you do. It was awesome to get a chance to talk with Monica. And you know what? I have to actually give a shout out. I have to go back to the beginning of our conversation. I have to give a shout out to her pitching coach, Kenny Gardner. I mean, on track to have coached at least two Olympians between her and Kehlani Ricketts, you're doing something right. But they also both have their own style. I love a coach who helps you build the right foundation, but doesn't take a cookie cutter approach. And I think that's especially important for a pitcher. And I want to stay on the pitching theme for the double play tip of the week. And as usual, we're looking at both the physical and the mental side. So it's a two for one, like a double play. And this week's double play tip is about pitch location. And the idea is to be diligent. And I mean that in two ways. So physically, there's a lot of different things you can do. But the one that I want to highlight today is focusing on your spins. So there's two parts to pitch location. 
One is you want to get the ball to land in a certain spot when it hits the catcher's mitt. Pretty straightforward. The other, though, it's also about how it gets there. The movement, the path of the pitch comes from the spin. It might start in one place and break to another, and that's what makes it harder to hit. Even if you throw a fastball without a ton of movement, although honestly with the right snap, you can still have movement on your fastball, but you can still be fairly effective if you hit the right spots around the edges of the zone. But at the same time, being diligent with your spin will give you some movement, even if you miss your intended spot. Or if you're strategically trying to keep the ball out of the zone because you're ahead in the count, let's say, then you want your rise ball to start at the top of the zone so it breaks out of the zone. But if it doesn't break, then you're in trouble. So now is a great time to practice your spins. Just throw them into a net. Being diligent with those is one thing that helps you be effective in locating your pitches and maintaining control. But mentally, the way that we can think about this is just think about attacking the zone. Focus on hitting your spots and getting hitters to just miss. So your mentality is not necessarily to strike everyone out that you face. You just control what you can control, your approach and attacking your spots. It's kind of like hitting, you know, you shouldn't be thinking about, I'm trying to hit a home run in every single at bat. All you're thinking about is seeing the ball and just hitting it hard. And the home runs are going to naturally come from there. But you keep your visualizations simple. And that's why a lot of coaches you hear talk about just think line drives and hard ground balls. Well, as a pitcher, if you're hitting your spots, you can get hitters to just miss. Just miss hit the ball enough to hit a fly ball to your left fielder or a grounder to your second baseman. Get them to just miss enough. They might still put the ball in play, but you let your defense work to get the outs. That's doing your job as a pitcher. And if you're diligent about hitting your spots first, the success, the strikeouts, and everything else will come naturally. That's the physical and mental side of pitch location. Be diligent with your spins and stay focused on hitting your spots. That's the double play tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, available everywhere you get your pods, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and of course, Believe.com. Keep subscribing, rating, and sharing. Hit me up on Twitter at JennaBacera01 and Instagram at JennaBacera. As always, thanks for tuning in. Catch you soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.